a lot of people are have a lot of self-doubt right especially a, you know a new graduate that comes out and um and they're applying for a job and they may not think that their you know their experience you know will get them that job i i really feel that a lot of the that thought process is really happening in the individual's head you know i i do i do think that sometimes you do have to just kind of dive in and actually you know take that take that leap of faith that you are you know you are capable of doing that job which you probably are um but i think it's mostly the mindset that you're kind of holding yourself back so a lot of the times I do feel that you just need to jump in with both feet and, and you know, and, and take on that particular challenge, right? Hello, friends. My name is Kirill, and you're listening to my UX career podcast. On this podcast, I'm sharing my personal thoughts on how to start a career path in UX, how to grow your skills and become a better designer. Also, I have conversations with other designers and design leaders trying to show that there are many different perspectives and opinions on the key questions about UX career. So if you're a UX designer or considering becoming one, this podcast will get you better prepared for finding a job in UX. Opinions expressed on this podcast are my own and do not necessarily reflect the views of my current or previous employers. And don't forget, this is just one human's point of view. This is another episode from the Q&A with Design Manager series. Today I'm talking to Vince Kwok. Vince has more than 15 years of experience building products and managing design teams for brands like Costco, Walmart, Air Canada, Staples, and many more. Vince talks about his origin story and how he became a design director. We discuss the differences between skills needed for a manager and for an individual contributor, the importance of believing in yourself and why generic resume is a red flag for the hiring manager. Vince also shares his thoughts on the value of storytelling during the interviews and the grim future of UI design profession. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Hey Vince, how are you? Good, how are you, Carl? I'm pretty good, pretty good. Happy to, to chat with you today and happy that you were you could find time to join us and contribute to this initiative. I think your insights will be very valuable for a lot of folks and um, I hope this will help us illustrate the diversity of different expectations and opinions from uh, hiring managers with different backgrounds. Yeah, well, glad to be here. Hopefully um, I can answer some of your questions. <laughs> yeah, totally. So super appreciate that. Uh, let's start with the with your current role. What do you do? Uh, what company? What's really kind of the scope of ownership there? Right. So, I am currently the uh, UX director for uh, at PNI Media. So we have a, a group of about thirty five individuals, um, part of the creative group, which consists of uh, front end developers, product designers, um, graphics artists, and digital content uh, creators. So uh, I've been with the company for 10 years now. So it's, it's been a crazy wild ride, but I'm really glad to be working with the, with the team there. Oh, that's great. That sounds like a pretty big team that um, somebody can learn from within, within such a, a large um, group of people. That's yeah. good. Uh, tell us more about, uh, I want to hear more about your origin story and how did you really decide to go into this field and what was your, I guess, the key steps, the path that um, took you here? Wow. Origin story sounds like a Marvel comic. <laughs> uh, well, my origin story really um, started as just being a, a, you know, an avid designer, loving to, you know, loving to draw when I was a kid. Um, I remember drawing, you know, spending the summers. I, I, I had a 
pretty strict parents. So I didn't really get to go out much <laughs> when I was a kid. So I spent a lot of summers just, you know, at the dining room table, drawing houses and, and drawing, just drawing, you know, even comic uh, strips, like, you know, Spider-Man and stuff like that. And then uh, as I got older, I wanted to get into architecture, which then kind of morphed into, you know, wanting to design for the web. That was during the, uh, that tech boom area, you know, around the 2000s where, you know, that was really taking off and I really want to be part of it. So I took the, uh, th that design passion and applied it to web design. And that's how I got into it. Mm -hmm. So when did you transition to the management path and uh, how did it happen? Uh, I think that just kind of organically happened. Um, when I joined the team at PNI, there were about three, about three of us, I think. Um, so three of us as in, in the creative department, if there was even a department with three people. Um, and I think it just organically grew. Um, we, you know, we got more business, um, we got acquired by you know, a larger company. So the team grew even further. And um, as, as someone just, that's been, in, you know, with, you know, just so ingrained with all the, pro, um, the projects that have been happening over the years, it just kind of organically put me into the senior level where, you know, I, I had the knowledge and I could help um, other, other designers kind of uh, work through their projects and work through their problems and their solutions. Right. So, um, so for me, I, there was, there wasn't really any intent to, Oh, I want to be a manager. It just kind of um, organically or, organically came through um, in my career. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's a bit more details about that, uh, that part path. Um, so, do you recall like if you were given an option or not? Because like I've heard about stories that uh, this organic or like natural progression from the individual contributor, uh, so to say like a designer role to management role, even though it's quite common, just because it's, it's there's like almost like a stereotype or just an expectation that that's kind of your next level to go up and up and up. But I've heard that, that not for every person that works as well as for others. So I've heard that even though there is some expectation for folks to move up and just like the more senior person goes to the management role, not every person in this position really enjoys this role. And um, I, I spoke with a few folks that actually would love to have a choice about going like kind of more advanced individual contributor path or versus management. Did you have an option like this? Um, well, for me, I didn't have an, that type of option, but we, I've definitely recognized that as a, um, as a bit of an, I would say an issue, but it's a, it's a nice problem to have, you know, people obviously want to grow in their, in, in their careers. Right. But, uh, it, as an individual contributor, that skill set is completely different from a manager. Right. So, um, you know, a lot of companies and even my company, you know, we've made mistakes where we think that, Hey, this guy's an excellent contributor. Um, you know, she's really great in, you know, coding or great in designing. Let's put her as a manager and, you know, and we, we set them up to fail, right? Because we don't, we don't, um, support them in the proper way. We just think that, well, if they're a great contributor, there must be a great manager. It's, it's absolutely not the case. Right. So there needs to be a lot of support when, uh, when we do, you know, um, promote someone to become a manager because again like i said total different skill set right exactly. so, so we've noticed that over the years i think i think i'm a good use case because when i was became a manager i did i think i i admit i failed in a lot of things right i you know just even people management um even you know just administration things i'm like oh what we're supposed to be doing this had had no real guidance there i kind of learned along the way right but i could have got there a lot faster if there was someone actually mentoring me there so, um, you know, we recognize that as, as an issue. So now we actually look at our, um, our job descriptions and, and really figure out 
uh, and place the people in, in you know, the right paths, right? So we do want to grow, you know, like I say, a senior designer, but they may not necessarily want to be a manager, right? So, um, so we have looked at technical, you know, technical positions where they may, they may manage, um, you know, a technical aspect of the job, but they may not manage people, right? So we have branched out in, in those um, types of ways. And I think it's worked a, um, worked a lot better mm-hmm. for the individual, right. yeah. Yeah, I agree. And um, I've seen from some big companies examples when they have clearly defined kind of different paths that the person can choose at any point. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I've, I've heard only good feedback about this, uh, this structure. And like it, I think it indicates about, indicates the maturity of the organization and the team structure and really kind of career progression support uh, within the company. So I think it's a good, definitely good sign. Yeah. Uh, thinking from all the lessons learned and maybe some mistakes that you've made uh, like through, throughout your career, mm-hmm. what do you wish in you when you were starting? Like for folks who are just beginning, uh, what maybe advice you can give them that can speed up their process of onboarding and like starting in this industry? Wow. Uh, <laughs> I've made so many mistakes. There's so many to pull from. <laughs> um I just think, you know, I think this is a cliche and you've, I'm sure you've heard it all over the place, but, you know, a lot of people are, have a lot of self-doubt, right? Especially, a, you know, a new graduate that comes out and, um, and they're applying for a job and they may not think that their, you know, their experience, you know, will get them that job. I, I really feel that a lot of the, that thought process is really happening in the individual's head. You know, I, I do, I do think that sometimes you do have to just kind of dive in and actually, you know, take that, take that leap of faith that you are, you know, you are capable of doing that job, which you probably are. Um, but I think it's mostly the mindset that you're kind of holding yourself back. So a lot of the times I do feel that you just need to jump in with both feet and, and, you know, and, and take on that particular challenge. Right. Uh, for me, as like, again, again, experience for me as, as the manager, didn't think that that was my path. Right. But then when the opportunity came, it's either take it or don't take it. And, you know, I, I did take that leap of faith and go, okay, oh no, I want to give it a try. Right. And um, I'm so glad I did. Again, I made a lot of mistakes along the way, but um, I learned along the way and there are great people to support. Right. So um, I do think that that was maybe the mistake that I've had in the past where maybe I didn't take those chances along the way until I took that chance as a manager. So, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do it this time and, and jump in. Yeah. What do you think really helped you overcome this internal debate if you should kind of jump this, uh, I guess, like into the unknown, into the abyss or not? Like, because uh, I, I've, I went through the, same, uh, through the same experience as well, and I've heard this from many folks. Even if you, if you think you, you, you don't know how to do this something, and there is an opportunity for you to just kind of volunteer or just kind of take an action and do this and like show initiative and really learn this by doing, uh, I think there there was a saying from Richard Branson that um, I quite kind of I think was a pivoting for me yeah. pivoting moment that if I'm asked uh, if I can do something I always say yes and then I go and figure it out and figure it out exactly <laughs> yeah, so I, yeah. th- th- that's my mindset as well uh, but I, I'm curious like how did you overcome this initial um, tension that you had internally I can't remember a, a, a single like a point in time, but I do I do recognize now. Maybe it's due to you know me growing up and being a little bit more mature nowadays. Is that um, I I do feel that I value um, work ethic more than skill set, right? So, and 
again, I'm going to be very transparent. I don't think I'm the, I'm the smartest guy in, in the world. I don't think that I'm the smartest guy in the team. Um, but I do think that I bring a lot of passion in what I do and I bring a lot of work ethic and I, you know, I, I put a lot of effort in everything that I do. Right. So, and I always value that over skill set, and that comes with, with even hiring too, and even looking at, um, and having interviews and stuff like that. If I can, if I can somehow pinpoint that this individual has a lot of passion and, and love of what they, what they do, um, that's the person I rather hire than someone with, you know, that's brilliant in, in skill set. So, for, so yeah, so for me, I don't know, I can't really pinpoint it, but I do think that if you can, you know, really believe in, you know, your passion and you, and you want to put in hard work, I think that's, I think that's where um, you show your value there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a tricky one to, I guess, give advice on, considering like everybody is different. And yeah. everybody kind of, I guess, like this moment of realization, how important this is and how kind of you should make those decisions um is um yeah it's hard to kind of define like the right time like it's just very different for every person so it's yeah probably yeah, you gotta got find what you love right i mean and and once you find that okay we really love doing that thing yeah. then, you're, you, then you don't mind working hard right you don't mind putting that extra effort in and i think that's the hardest part for a new grad right to to really uh, do you really love what you're what you're studying right now you know yeah and if you exactly. do then i think that you're gonna put that extra uh, effort in Exactly. Makes sense. Um, I think it's a good segue into the next question about um, any advice or tips. And I think that you kind of mentioned some part of this already as an answer to the previous question about kind of really doubling down on your passion and going deep into that. Uh, But how would you really like if you were applying to jobs today, like if you're just starting out in this industry, considering how much more competition we have today in this entry level junior market, what would you do to stand out from others? From the from interviews that I've had, um, you know, in the past, and I do, and you know, that's kind of the our mantra with uh, with our creative team is that we do hire juniors. Um, we like to grow people from within, so uh, we always love um, interviewing juniors um, and, and whatnot. So, for me, you know, a lot of juniors that come in, they may not be. I don't know if maybe they they don't come prepared for the, for the interview, but I think it's just because it's just the standard way of doing it. So it's like, yeah, well, tell me about yourself, and then they kind of tell they talk about their past, their history, about when, what, what school they went to, and then and then you know, uh, kind of go on from there, just chronologically, right? But I would love for you know, there was a couple of interviews I had in the past where they actually started talking about what value that they can bring to the company. And that's how they started their interview. And, and um, I really like love that approach. It's completely different from everybody else that comes into the interview. And, uh, you know, they, it's kind of, it's always storytelling, right? If they come with a good story. I think that always draws um, engagement and draws more questions, right? If you come with a chronological order type of interview process, it's just like you're kind of going through the steps. So I felt like, um, you know, the, the two or three interviews that I've had that they kind of came in with, hey, I think I can offer you this and that, um, that really kind of got me in, engaged in that conversation. That's interesting. Um, that's actually a very good point about the different kind of storytelling that already breaks the mold of the typical uh, chronological, just kind of facts, 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 right? Instead of really kind of what what value would you bring to, to the company? And obviously, you should be definitely, I guess, clear that you're just starting out and um, that there is like way more things to learn. Uh, but there is definitely some value that that uh, any person can, uh, I guess, highlight as a, as a sales pitch of sorts uh, during those interview conversations. 
That's great. I mean, yeah, because you know that you're going to take, you know, we take that same approach to when we go to speak with clients, right? And speak with, you know, and potential clients and stuff. We, it's almost a, comes with the storytelling of why we want to do this and what value we can bring to them, right? So uh, interview process is kind of like, you know, you trying to, trying to get, a, you know, you're trying to get a job, right? You're trying to pitch um, to, the, to the interviewer. So um, I thought that that approach was, was awesome. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Uh, on a similar note, uh, let's talk about the ideal resume from your point of view. And I think your perspective brings a lot of value because, as you mentioned, you you interview and hire a lot of junior folks. So I think it gives you a different lens and different set of um, applicants that you review on an ongoing basis. So can you define what exactly you're looking for in a resume, uh, the format, the structure, the content, like any tips and maybe mistakes that you've seen uh, some applicants um, did? Maybe I could speak to maybe one mistake just because I, I was just reviewing a resume about half an hour ago. Um, this person was applying for the, a, graphic, a junior graphics uh, design position uh, in our group. But um, but their title, um, everything that they've had in, the, in their resume, and and their, even the course that they were taking previous to graduating was UX. So um, which makes me wonder, you know, why why are you applying for graphics design when clearly you know um, your education is with UX, right? So um, so I, I think it, it takes a little bit of effort of you know maybe someone applying for a job that, where you may have to cater your resume a little bit to to what that job description isn't you know is asking for right um i know that there's a lot of times where you know you have one templated resume and you kind of just send it off to you know all the companies out there but um to take the time to actually customize your resume a little bit to the job description that you're applying for i think shows a lot you know shows that you're actually putting effort into it and that you actually really want this job um, so for me, that itself, it tells a lot about the individual already, right? And putting that extra effort in. That's true. It's almost like an indicator how vested they are in, yeah. in your particular team, in your particular company. I think it's a good, um, yeah, good call out. Exactly. And you want, you, know, you want them to be passionate, you know, and, you know, um, and put that extra effort in, right? And if they don't do that, then you know that, okay, they're probably sending out their resumes to 20, 30 companies. That's not really, they want to work with you. They just want a job, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and to be fair, like I also empathize with their perspective as well, because especially when you get in the first job from, at least from what I've heard from, from the, from the entry level folks is, they actually don't care where they get this job because they're just like so desperate. It's been like half a year, yeah. nine months and like no progress, no movement uh, in all the applications. So they're just really getting, I guess, frustrated and also exhausted and uh, sometimes desperate when they try to go like by quantity. And um, yeah, it's, it's understandable, but definitely I think it's, it leaves it not the best impression from your point of view. No, you make a good good point, right? I mean, it's 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 a tough market out there right now. So I do understand that that portion, I guess, that aspect of things. Um, but I guess you know, just just looking at um, it at on on you know the employer side, they do get tons of resumes coming in. They do have to filter it. How do they filter it? That's you know, um, they do look at little things like that to try to filter out um, you know the amount of people that they can interview, right? That's true. Yeah. yeah, I think it's also yeah, kind of trying to like from their point of view, who just like spray and pray approach of uh, of applications. Yeah, uh, understanding how you're being overwhelmed with the, I mean, you as a hire manager, overwhelmed mm-hmm. with hundreds of those applications uh, on a I don't know daily, weekly basis. 
uh, and then you have to kind of, I guess, add some methods to, 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 to streamline your process when you just kind of go like the first like screening mm -hmm. and like it may be you and maybe like a recruiter does it and basically kind of like all those, I guess, less tailored applications will be just weeded out um, and without exactly. And a lot of times it's weeded out by non-professionals, like maybe on the HR side, right? Exactly. You know, even a, a professional, like a designer on the, on the creative side, hasn't even seen that resume. And because that maybe that little extra effort wasn't put in there, HR may have already blocked it, right? So um, yeah, I would advise, you know, try your best to put that effort in. Again, I know it's tough, uh, tough out there right now, mm -hmm. but that does shine through, right? Putting your own passion into it really shines through. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on structured or uh, like more, I guess, like text um, format of the resume, like more traditional style versus the creative resumes? Ooh, I've always, I mean, <laughs> I'm in creative. So I always like, um, you know, creative resumes, right? I mean, the, the it all, again, putting the information together also tells a little bit of who you are too, right? You know, especially if you're applying for a UX job, you know, the, the, the information at hand needs to be quite nicely organized and, mm -hmm. and thought out, right? So that itself already kind of gives you a sense of, oh, who, who this person is, is, you know, maybe their level of, um, you know, maturity at, at the UX space and stuff like that. So depending on what you apply for, um, you, again, it comes back to catering it to that, that particular job description, right? So if it's a graphic design job, it'd be great to show some colors, maybe show some, show some colors, show how you, you, you know, mix and match colors to, to give us again, a little bit of sense of um, how you play with you mm -hmm. know, colors. That's just one example, right? Um, yeah. Like I said, UX, yeah, definitely. If it's a, applying for a UX job, the information has to be concise and, um, and, and obviously follows, you know, some sort of chronological order, right? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, more structured than the really visual hierarchies make, uh, makes more importance there. Okay, so uh, same question for the portfolio. Uh, what are you looking for in a portfolio, like in case studies, the number of them, the structure, the type, like any thoughts that you could share from your expectations uh, of a portfolio? I love case studies because, um, again, when, you know, when someone provides a portfolio and just kind of puts imagery on there and like maybe mm. screenshots of stuff. I mean, it's great to see visually, but you don't really understand, you know, what the goals are and what the solution is and how they applied it um, to their project. Right. So I love case studies because you actually read the person's, you know, thought process and how, you know, how they came to the solution. Right. So for me, um, I'm not much of a reader because I am a creative person. I love visuals, but when it comes to trying to understand who we're going to be interviewing, I love to read, um, you know, the case studies to just to get a sense of how they think and, and mm -hmm. how they think through the, um, and the problems and come up with solutions. Mm -hmm. And case studies are, are quite tricky because you can go, I guess, like an endless level of details. Um, so is there a, such a thing as a too long case study for you? <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I have a formula of how sh how long or short it should be. But um, again, right? If if you're applying for uh, again, uh, talking about a UX job, um, you you don't want to be too long winded, right? You want to make sure that you get to the point. What are the goals? You know, what are you trying to solve for the client, right? What's you know what, and then and then the solutions, and then the value proposition, what you're adding to, um, to your particular solution, right? Um, you know, I would say, 
for me as looking through a use case, I would love visuals and, and text together. Um, I wouldn't want to read paragraphs upon paragraphs of how you solve something. Um, if you can have, you know, an imagery on, you know, on one side and maybe just a paragraph on one side to explain something, I think that's really good enough. Can you recall maybe a, a portfolio or a case study or any of those kind of these deliverables that really stood out for you? Like what was like something that really popped into your memory and like really impressed you? That's a tough one because I see so many, um, so many creative people out there. I like um, projects that actually take a real life solution, like a, a real life scenario, sorry, not solution, a real life scenario, um, like a website of, of some sorts. And then they break it down on, okay, you know, they, they, they've done, you know, again, it comes back to you. I'm thinking about UX right now is that they've identified a problem with this particular site and, and, and they've basically broken down what, what are the issues? Uh, what are the, some of the assumptions and how, and how, what, how they want to um, make sure that they, how do they want to fix it? Right. And then based off AB testing and, and all the, all the ideations and, and, and AB testing and stuff like that, just to break down their process based off a um, existing, um, you know, existing website. I love, I love how, um, you know, I've seen multiple of those in resumes before. And I really enjoy reading through that because you never really think that, oh, existing sites, you know, they're probably working fine, right? But with someone actually going there and, and taking a look at an existing site, um, I think, again, it, it brings back to them putting that extra effort in, right? So for, ex for one example, one uh, UX um, resume that I got a couple of years back, um, he was applying for a lead lead designer uh, for, um, on our team. And he actually took our corporate site and broke it down, right? And it was like mind blowing because, you know, I'd like to think that, hey, you know, we work on it, it should be good, right? <laughs> right. But, but the, but the uh, how he broke it down was just so, um, it was just so refreshing to see, right? Someone was actually honest about it and go, hey, you know, I'm, I'm coming in for an interview, but I do want to have this, you know, for, for you to take a look at, because this is what I can bring. Again, it comes back to storytelling, right? It comes back to what this is the value that I can bring for you. And I'm going to use your website to show you what kind of value I can bring for you. Right. And I think that was probably one of the best um, interviews and best resumes I actually got. Yeah, I think that's actually a very good call out. So that's one of the, I guess, advice or life hacks that I give to uh, some of the folks that uh, if they can identify a company that they really want to be a part of, it's kind of better, first of all, to tailor all the kind of application information to that particular company, team, product, or something like that. But also, if that company and if the, the products of those companies are available to the public, what stops you from just kind of downloading the app, installing it, or like going to the website, and really going through a thorough like analysis of the usability gaps and how you would really prioritize them, address them, and then like work with others to really kind of improve that experience. And I think this would resonate with this potential employer like hundred times better and more yeah. than, than anything generic that's maybe even not even relevant to the industry, right? Which is the typical case study uh, coming out from the boot camps or something. For sure. And th that actually reminds me of one little quick story I can tell you. I had, a, this was way back um, maybe 10, 15 years ago where I was um, getting ready for an interview for um, is actually a company. It was a Disney actually. Um, and when I got into um, the interview, the first thing they asked me is like, "Did you actually play with this particular application that you're actually applying for the applying for?" I'm like, 
oh no I, I didn't right and I thought I had a great interview but I bet you just just that first question that they asked me they already kind of cut me off already I think they just spent 45 minutes with me because they're just trying to be polite right but I didn't even put that effort to download that application to play with it and we can actually have a conversation we couldn't have that because I didn't do my job right so um, you so you bring up a really good point yeah, I, not to critique you, but I think it definitely would be better <laughs> if you really kind of went the step, step like one step further, and um, and play with this app, um, and yeah, for sure, <laughs> have maybe even some ideas or questions uh, to to try to understand why they made uh, some of those design decisions. Because usually it's yeah, you, you cannot really know what happens behind the scenes and like how many different constraints they had to work with. So I think it would definitely allow you to stand out i agree okay so well, making maybe, mistakes are okay i'm just saying you know i've, yeah. I've made plenty right and i'm and i learn from them all the time as long as you learn from them exactly and in most cases you probably learn even more about the uh, from the mistakes uh than uh, from the wins when everything goes smoothly uh, okay let's go with the last question we have only a few minutes left um so what are your thoughts on the future of the ux design and the design profession in general and thinking about how more and more uh, mechanisms are being added by the companies uh, who build products or services to really automate some part, at least some parts of this design process. If you think like from the holistic, like multi-vertical uh, steps, so like kind of different phases in the design process. Uh, if somebody starting out today, what do you think will be the, I guess, the more future-proof direction or maybe specialty or some kind of, yeah, kind of niche that they could go? This is this is the question that I'm I'm so worried about when I when I saw your outline because like oh man this is a loaded question because I have no idea how to answer this one. This is just gut reaction. So it's uh, obviously we're all guessing, right? Because we don't know what will happen in three years and five years with all the automation. But there are some signals that that some automation is coming, and I'm curious to hear like what you think on this. Yeah, there's a lot of automation that that's coming, you know. But but I I guess maybe I'm. I'm still, I don't know if this is old school thinking or whatnot, but especially in the, in the UX aspect of things, you still need to understand the needs and, of, the, of the customer, right? I, I, st I still value, you know, those customer interviews that, um, and, and, you know, and journey mapping and, and all that and the pain points. I, I do feel like you get a lot of that through speaking to the customer, right? And so for me, when I, when I read that question, it's like, how, how can they automate that and you know and so that's why I kind of didn't know how to answer this question because I, I value so much of face-to-face -face or you know zoom to zoom conversations with actual customers and understanding their pain points right and how would you animate that I mean automate that I, I'm, I'm not 100% sure yet so maybe yeah. ask uh, let me ask a question from the other side what do you think from the whole design spectrum like all the activities like, like understanding the needs like ideation like talking to others collaboration mm -hmm designing like last step design like a handoff like all that stuff so what do you think will get automated first i would think if designers create great design systems if you know which everybody is already doing right now you know especially if you have a, if you have a large brand and you have you know style guides and you know and, and design systems for your website that could be easily automated in the future i mean that's why um you know, a couple of years ago, we had UX designers and UI designers, and I really felt that the UI aspect of it, um, although I loved it because I that's kind of where I came from, 
they, you know, the UI designers, specific ones, need to really evolve and become more, um, you know, data driven and UX driven because I feel like that that type of job is gonna kind of phase out, right? Because that stuff can be automated, right? You have all these tools out there that really just almost build out, you know, you know, sites for you and layouts for you, and they're all they're all modular, right? And then you kind of move things around. Um, so to really understand the UX aspect of things and understand, you know, user pain points and, and do the research. And I think that part is going to be, you know, here to stay for, for, for the foreseeable future. Um, Cause I don't, I, again, for me, I don't know how it, we can automate that completely yet, but with the UI aspect of things, I, I do think that it can be automated easily. You even look at services like Squarespace and Wix and all those sites out there right now, right? That, so they just give you a beautiful template. They think, well, then the UI design is not really needed anymore, right? Exactly. Yeah, you do it once and then like you can reuse it. And um, yeah, it's definitely, I, th I agree. It's, it's one of the, I guess, um, top candidates to be automated. So I agree that uh, move towards kind of more thinking and like really creative problem solving uh, that happens before the, the final layer, like the icing on the cake uh, has more chances to survive longer, I guess, compared to UI. Uh, awesome. Uh, I think that's all the questions I had for you today. Like, super appreciate your time and um, your willingness to share your, your perspective on those questions. If anybody has any follow-up questions or want to maybe reach out to for a coffee chat, uh, first of all, are you open to this? And if you are, uh, how people can find you? Definitely. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm open. I'm open to it for sure. Um, you can find me at uh, link on LinkedIn uh, under I think Vince Kwok, uh, V I N C E K W O K. Or you can find me in Twitter at, at Vince Kwok. I don't Twitter. I don't tweet too much. I, I tweet about the Vancouver Canucks. I think I, I, more than more than actual work stuff. But you can definitely find me there, or uh, you can email me at uh, uh, vkwok at pnimedia.com. Sounds good. And I'll provide all the links in the show notes as well. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Vince. I really appreciate your time. All right. Thank you, Carl. Thanks for listening. If you want to see more episodes and support this podcast, the best thing you can do is leave a review on iTunes and share with your friends and colleagues. If you have specific questions you would want me to answer, you can submit them on the UX Career website. Go to uxcareer.co slash questions. Goodbye, friends.